Welcome. You are listening to an audio version of a twice-monthly newsletter published by the Christian Study Center of Gainesville. In this installment, we consider the purpose of education and how, going into the fall semester, we are thinking about the work of the Study Center. What is an education for? For several years, I worked as an academic dean for a small school in Central Florida. In this role, I often found myself talking about the school's vision for education. And when I did so, I found it useful to ask the question, what is an education for? We take it for granted that an education is a good thing, of course. And it may seem at first that the question of purpose can be easily answered. But as I would get further along in the conversation, it would become apparent that the question was not as straightforward as it seemed. In these exchanges, it also became apparent to me that the tacit answer for most to the question of education's purpose went something like this. The purpose of a good secondary education was to ensure acceptance into a solid college or university, the purpose of which was to ensure the best odds at landing a well-paying job in the marketplace. I had then, and have now, no intention of belittling the importance of preparing adequately for future employment, but it seemed to me that this was at best an inadequate view of the purpose of education. I would suggest that we're probably not in the best position to address the question of education's purpose until we've addressed an even more fundamental question. What are people for? By asking this question, we can take the broadest possible view of the meaning and purpose of education. For example, consider again the view of education described above. Should we think of education primarily in terms of preparing students for the labor market? Only if we also believe that we measure the meaning of a human life in terms of economic productivity. If people are more than workers, then it would seem that education should aim at something more than turning out men and women prepared to enter the workforce. As it turns out, this is an interesting moment to be thinking about the purpose of education. The COVID-19 crisis has upended the ordinary rhythms of schooling in America. Fierce and intractable debates now rage on about whether or not schools should reopen and under what conditions. Parenthetically, I'd suggest that the debates are intractable, in part, precisely because deeper questions about the purpose of education remain unanswered. Moreover, beginning last spring, Alternative modes of learning and teaching have been deployed at an unprecedented scale as schools struggle to continue their work under quarantine and social distancing mandates. The experimentation has also unfolded beyond traditional institutions, as parents have been forced to manufacture creative schooling options rather than risking the health of their families. As in so many other social spheres, the virus has in this way proved revelatory. It has revealed the true nature and health of many of our institutions and practices, perhaps especially education. Consider, for example, the degree to which the imperative to get children back to school has revolved around the need to get parents back to work, seemingly suggesting that this is, in fact, the more pertinent relationship between education 
and the economy. It would seem then that we are presented with an opportunity to re-examine our assumptions about education and to think again about its purpose and value. Allow me to offer a couple of thoughts in this regard. First, we would do well to consciously distinguish between education as a lifelong task of self-development on the one hand, and on the other, education as the process of progressing through a series of curricular milestones in an institutional setting, culminating with the attainment of a degree. While these two forms of education tend to overlap, they are not coterminous, and we should avoid conflating the two. Relatedly, this distinction also implies distinctions among the sites where education happens. Only when the latter view of education as a fundamentally institutional process is in view is it also obvious that education happens at school. Second, if we think of education in the broadest terms as serving the larger purpose of helping men and women realize the fullness of their humanity, then education should not be too closely bound up with economic aims and outcomes. Some other ends and goals should animate the work of teaching and learning. What these other ends will be depend in large measure on one's underlying moral, political, and metaphysical commitments. I would propose that we at least entertain the view that learning in the pursuit of truth and the good life is itself a sufficient good. The view is almost quaint, if not archaic now, but it has a distinguished pedigree. Human beings, among all creatures, are endowed with unique intellectual, moral, and aesthetic capacities that answer to transcendental values of truth, goodness, and beauty, the pursuit of which is the natural end of the life of the mind and its own reward. In the ancient Christian tradition, it was understood that the pursuit of truth, goodness, and beauty was, in fact, the pursuit of God, the God who was their source. Or, as C.S. Lewis has put it, the life of learning humbly offered to God was, in its own small way, one of the appointed approaches to the divine reality and the divine beauty. From this perspective, it's worth considering the degree to which the life of learning, in this sense, is difficult to sustain in most of the contemporary institutions devoted to education. But while this is unfortunate, it is hardly cause for despair once we remember that learning in the deepest sense is not coterminous with these institutions. Indeed, that these institutions, at their best, are merely preparing us to set out on the lifelong calling of learning, thinking, contemplating, and finally celebrating and worshiping. I've been reflecting along these lines recently as I've thought about the current and future work of the study center. It has long seemed to me that study centers are uniquely positioned to be precisely the sorts of places that sustain the life of the mind, especially because they are unburdened by the institutional and economic pressures that bear upon traditional educational institutions. The study center offers no credits, no certificates, no degrees. Instead, we strive to create opportunities for careful reading, deliberate thinking, and serious reflection. We are committed to the virtues of thoughtfulness and intellectual humility. We believe with the Catholic philosopher Joseph Pieper 
that truth lives in conversation, so we aim to facilitate the sorts of conversations that will spur us on to seek not only what is true, but also what is good and beautiful. We do this because we believe that in so doing, we are addressing a deeply felt and profoundly human need grounded in our creation in God's image. Thank you for listening to this installment of the newsletter. Be sure to read the rest of the newsletter for details about our program for the fall of 2020.